everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of my K-drama podcast. I am quite excited actually to talk about the drama that I've chosen to chat about with you guys today. Um, the show is called Happiness and it came out in 2021 and it's a it says thriller, but I'm going to say horror thriller. It's got lots of blood, lots of gore, lots of zombie zombies um, and I think it was super, super fun. <laughs> so much fun. Uh, I don't know what this says about me. I am a zombie fan. I do really like horror. So I presume some listeners may have a different reaction to this show because it is pretty, there's some creepy bits, there's some scary bits, there's some violent bits. Um, so it depends what your threshold is, I think, around those things. But for me personally, I feel like there's one word to describe this and it's just Fun. This drama was so much fun, but it was also, you know, it dug deeper than just surface. Like it wasn't just a like, yeah, whatever. It was like, oh no, that moved my heart. That was exciting. That was thrilling. And the whole experience of watching it was fun. But take that with a grain of salt. I am the kind of watcher who, um, who thinks zombies are fun. <laughs> so I feel like it depends how you feel about that. All right. So like I said, the show is called Happiness, uh, which I think is a really cool name for a show like this and I loved the kind of happiness theme that you know I guess runs through it from our main two characters perspective although you know now I'm thinking about it maybe a lot of the characters um and this idea of compromising yourself to you know there's a lot of greedy greedy people in this show um and yet our two main characters really all they're pursuing is happiness which for them is like a domestic simplicity and happiness, which again, interesting theme for a big zombie gore fest. Um, so this one is happiness is only 12 episodes. Um, I think each episode is about, oh, it's about an hour, just normal time. So it's very short watch. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was pretty tight. Uh, so it came out in November 2021. And I guess I've been watching it, you know, as I record this, I kind of watched it um, back when it was airing. Um, and really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. All right. So th th that's my kind of general overview feelings on the show. Uh, and can I just say upfront, when I say that I loved it, there was a whole storyline. There's like three main characters and the third character storyline. 
I just couldn't give a fuck about it. And I feel like I didn't even watch those bits. So this is going to sound strange when I'm like, it's a great show. It's so wonderful. I loved it. But also there was a whole storyline that I didn't pay any attention to whatsoever because I didn't care about it. But I think the stuff that I did care about in the show, I cared about it so much that I just kind of loved it overall. It was great. I guess I'll get more into what I mean by all that later. Uh, so the reason that I watched Happiness, uh, there's a couple of reasons, actually. Uh... The number one reason is isn't zombies, actually, which is a surprise because that's certainly a big a big reason for me. I, I love a good zombie anything, basically. Um, zombies are just I don't know why they're cool. I never seem to get bored by them, even though. You know, I feel like they zombie things always explore the same themes and the same ideas, which, of course, is always, you know, are the zombies really the monster or is it, you know, the humans who are the monster? And of course, it's always the humans who are the monsters. And this show is no different. It's filled with truly awful people, uh, which I loved. Um, but actually, the reason that I did kind of clock onto happiness before I kind of started seeing, you know, more in more stuff announced about it was because uh, in 2021, I watched an older drama, which I think was from 2019, which I have got an episode about and I've talked about at length, called Watcher. So Watcher was a crime thriller um, drama that starred um, the very wonderful and handsome So Kung Joon as, you know, like a tortured young detective guy whose family's been murdered, blah, 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 corruption, police corruption, blah, blah, blah. And also, um, it was I'm just getting off topic now. <laughs> anyway, so Watcher was made by a writer and director team. So the director and writer have teamed up again now. Uh, so in 2021, they teamed up to create happiness. So I was, I loved Watcher. I loved it so much for me. That was like a 10 out of 10 drama. The only thing it was missing was there's no romance in it or just not enough for me. There's some hints, but not enough, which for me, you know, I love just, even if it's just a little hint, then that kind of, you know, that satisfies me, but it was still amazing. It was perfect. And I was so, so excited to see that the writer and director of Watcher had teamed up again and they had a new drama coming out. So that was my first time ever hearing about this K-drama, Happiness. And so immediately I was like, that is on my radar. I'm watching that. The second it comes out, I cannot wait. I think this writer is great. I think Happiness for me, the writing in terms of the plot isn't quite as tight as Watcher was. Watcher was just like a twist and turn. A minute, it was so exciting. Everything made so much sense to me. In this drama, like I said, there was one storyline that I was like, meh, whatever. But also I think the writer did such a fantastic job of the characters, the character interactions. Um, I was just so invested, like so invested. It was so well done. So I think this writer is great and I think the director is great. I love the way happiness looks. And interestingly enough, because I did love Watcher so much and paid so much attention to that drama, I could see a lot of kind of throwbacks in the, in some of the shots in happiness and the way that it's filmed and some of the style and stuff, which again... I liked I, that really worked for me because I was a big happy uh, watcher fan. So the thing that happiness has that I think watcher didn't is there is a romance through line. Like it's not a main focus of the show by any means, but it is there and it's strong and it's the heart of why, you know, why these characters are doing what they're doing. So I really loved that. And that was kind of that missing ingredient for me in the other one. So that's why I watched it. I, uh, why I watched <laughs> happiness. Um, 
and why I was just so excited about it because after reading the synopsis um, for happiness, I was like zombies and this amazing like director writer team that I, I loved their previous drama so much. Like, and then of course I saw the casting. So the casting of happiness is really good. It was interesting for me. Um, so when I started watching Happiness, uh, the lead actress in Happiness is Han Hyo-ju. So Han Hyo-ju has been in, um, I should have searched this before, but she's been in a few other dramas. She's quite famous. Um, I think the one that always comes to mind for me that she was in is W Two Worlds um, with What's His Face. What's his face? Lee Jong-suk. <laughs> so W Two Two Worlds Apart, um, is kind of her big famous one, I guess. And that's what I sort of know her from. Has she been in anything else that I've seen? No. So I actually hadn't seen Han Hyo-ju when I started watching Happiness. But interestingly enough, for completely different reasons, about while I was about halfway through Happiness, I started watching W Two Worlds Apart. And it was amazing comparing her performances in these two dramas. Like I barely knew it was the same actress. She's just so different. Um, acting <laughs> will just consistently amaze me because I am not an actor and don't understand. And I don't know, she's just so different. Um, I I really like Han Hyoju after seeing her, particularly in Happiness, but I think she's also killing it in W2 Worlds as I'm watching that. As I record this, I'm still watching that one. Um, but in Happiness, she's just the coolest. Like, I loved her. She is the standout character. She's such an interesting character. She's like a special ops sort of tactical, you know, SWAT team person. And the thing about her that I think is so interesting, like she's such a good person, but she also is very unfiltered, not in a rude way, but just in a, it is as it is. She's not She's not going to put on any sort of fake anything for anybody at any point. Um, but she also has this thing where she just acts. She acts and she not, it's not that she doesn't think of consequences, is that she doesn't care if her action is the right thing to do or there's an unfairness or she can see in, you know, a high octane, you know, serious, scary situation that she's just got to do and act, she'll do it. And she's not someone who's then sitting around being like worried about this consequence. Like I find it really hard to describe what I mean about this character, this unfiltered thing. And I think I'll try and when I talk about the setup of, of happiness, I'll try and just talk about a few instances that I think just highlights how she is. But I found her to be a really different kind of heroine. She's so likable and also just so cool and badass and awesome, but She's also, you know, she's got a lot of love in her. She's got a lot of softness as well. It's like, it's not this extreme thing where she's one way or the other way. There's a subtleness to her that she feels like a very well-rounded human being, I think, with a lot of different facets to her personality. And I think maybe that's probably, I guess, a good combination of a great actress and also a great writer in that the character is complicated, you know? She's not just one way, one certain thing. And I think maybe a less experienced writer might write a character that is, you know, oh, she's all action and no, you know, thought or emotion. Whilst um, Han Hyoju's character, Sebom is the character's name, is both of those things. She's a mix of, of these things, but very much, I felt, a very unique and cool character to be, you know, the heart of this show. I liked her so much. I thought that when Han Hyoju was on screen, I was like, 
I, you know, I was kind of arrested. She was great. I really, really loved her. Uh, so that was interesting for me just because I hadn't really experienced her before. Um, so I'll definitely be looking out for whatever Han Hoju does next. She's great. Uh, so the male lead in happiness is, uh, there's kind of two, but one of them I was like, there, whatever. <laughs> Poor fellow. I just didn't pay attention to any of his scenes, but I did pay attention to Park Hyung Sik's scenes. So uh, the male lead is played by Park Hyung Sik, and he is, of course, uh, the actor from, you know, I would say his most famous role, or that in my mind, anyway, is as the male lead in Strong Woman Bongdo Soon with, what's it? <laughs> Park Boyong? Park Boyong? I think that's her name. Um, and, you know, he, I wouldn't say that that drama, Strong Woman, was one of my favorites personally, but he was very, very charming in that, and I certainly noticed him. Um, I've, I'd also seen him, I think the first time I ever saw Park Kyung Sik was in a, as a second male lead, but he had his own love line in a drama called High Society, which I think was potentially shit, but I don't know. Anyway, it was a long time ago I saw that. I feel like I tried to watch it twice, and both times I was like, this is shit. I think the people were just horrible. He was great in it though. That was my point. <laughs> so he's been in a lot of different stuff. I think it's kind of interesting. I feel like um, Park Yong-chik since doing uh, Strong Woman Do Bong Soon or whatever, I feel like, I don't know, that was like rom-com male lead, you know, like stardom basically I feel like everyone was like whoa and then I feel that he chose kind of he's been choosing interestingly different things since then um obviously he's been off to army and this is his first um project back since you know his army finished um but yeah I don't know I, I think I kind of expected him to pick similar type of roles after strong woman to kind of you know capitalize on that sort of you know male lead territory, but he actually did like, I think a more serious, um, show, which I haven't seen called Suits, which I suppose is a remake of that American show that I think is also called Suits, which I haven't seen. <laughs> Sorry. I don't really know much about those. Um, but I really like him and I think Park Yong-sik is great in this show. Again, a really interesting character. He plays a violent crimes detective called Yi-hon and Yi-hon is, I found him super interesting because he, there's like, there's a softness to him and a sweetness to him that, and a warmth that feels really, really massive. But then when he's, you know, he's also a violent crimes detective. He's used to seeing some very awful shit and he's used to being involved in this very dark world. And, you know, when the, the whole zombie thing starts in this show and he's, he's going and trying to protect, you know, the love of his life, Sebom, our female lead, he, there's points where he's scary, you know, he's really intense. And I liked, again, this multifaceted. Um, multifacets to his kind of personality, I suppose, that I thought was really good. I'm afraid someone's drilling around in the background, um, of course, because I started recording my podcast. <laughs> so I hope it's not too noticeable. Uh, and because I'm super professional, I'll just keep going and ignore it. Uh, so there is another dude in this who's billed as, you know, another main lead. It's supposed to be like three main leads, basically. He's played by the actor Joe Ujin, and he plays a character called Tesok, who is basically, you know, a big old, uh, like, army dude who's involved in, you know, contact tracing, basically, this new zombie virus, um, to use some, uh, you know, corona language that we all understand. <laughs> Gosh. Um, so I have seen him before, um, 
he's been in a lot of dramas, so I think people will recognise his face, but for me I particularly recognised him from Mr Sunshine where I think he just played sort of like a secretary dude at maybe the American Embassy or something. He was hanging around with our male, male lead in that. I don't know. He's like he's totally fine in happiness, but his whole storyline it's kind of happening separately. So the main part of the story is about, you know, a female lead Sebom and a male lead Yihon and their whole thing with all these mad people in this apartment building. And then separately, we're following this other story thread with, you know, this third male lead uh, played by the actor Zhou Jin. Um, and this character is this, you know, head soldier Tesok, and he's trying to find a cure for the zombie virus and contact trace it and also save the life of his wife. And he's a little bit manipulative. He does some bad stuff and some good stuff. And the whole time he was on screen, I was like, whatever, I don't care. Uh, not the actor's fault. I just, I was really, really invested in the apartment block in this drama. Everything that happened in and around the apartment block, I was just, I loved it. And I was so interested and so invested and everything that happened outside of that apartment block, I was like, bleh, bleh. Um, but not even like, I just didn't care either way. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just that I was just didn't notice it. <laughs> that sounds kind of weird. <laughs> so there's a lot of other faces, uh, in terms of casting that I think people will recognize. Um, I guess, oh, I don't think I'm going to go through them. They're just like kind of, you know, character actors that you see popping up in multiple dramas. Particularly, I will mention one particularly annoying character, uh, but annoying in a good way, like he's clearly meant to be annoying. So this is played by the actor Baek Hyun Jin. Uh, he plays a character called Ju Hong, but I'm just going to call him The Doctor. Um, so the actor Baek Hyun Jin also played the Korean mad president in um 2021 k-drama devil judge uh so anyone who's seen devil judge will be unable to forget the role of the mad korean president who screams and whose voice just constantly is breaking because he's just dialed it up to 1000 who doing like youtube live and stuff um so he's a little bit different in this one but i feel that this actor is so good at playing absolutely atrocious people there's just I don't know his voice and the way he talks like atrocious he's awful and he's so good at it that I almost feel a bit sorry for this actor because I cannot see him getting any other type of role because he's so good at this kind of weasley weedly sort of like awful human being kind of role poor fellow uh, anyway he was he did a great job in this um and was just a terrible terrible human being along with a lot of other people in the apartment block who are terrible human beings. Um, all right. So uh, before I get into the setup of happiness, should you watch happiness? Um, I think so. Yes, it's only 12 episodes. But again, my caveat is where do you sit with horror? Um, what can you handle? I would say uh, in terms of like, you know, horror and scary stuff and violence, I wouldn't say it's hugely scary. Like it's not like you know, like a horror movie scary where there's that kind of level of suspense that freaks you out. Like there's a lot less of that. And it's more scary in terms that there are sometimes zombies running at people. Um, and But I think I actually think the main level of darkness and what makes this show, you know, scary and dark is more like the social drama and the drama between the characters. You've got all these people stuck in an apartment block. They've been cut off from the outside world. There's no communication. They're running out of food and water. Some of them may or may not be infected. And as you can imagine, that leads to human beings 
doing awful things. And that is more, I think, where the darkness of the drama comes from. So if you're like, oh, I can't watch it because I'm too scared of, you know, scary stuff like zombies and jump scares, I don't think it's got so much of that. It's more the darkness, the stuff that really makes you go, ugh, is more like drama stuff. Um, but in saying that, there is literally people running around biting each other's throats out as well. <laughs> so it depends where your threshold is on that. Um, I would say that in terms of frightening zombies, it's probably less scary than Kingdom, I think, uh, which of course is absolutely fantastic Joseon set zombie K-drama, of which there are two seasons and I have episodes on. I loved Kingdom, but I do think Kingdom's probably a little bit scarier than this one, I think. Um, so hopefully that gives you kind of a you know, some bearing on whether you can handle it or not. So if you're into zombies, watch it. If you're into horror or just that kind of, oh, you know, that um, I guess the things that zombie dramas bring forward, which is always that survivalist thing. How do humans survive when they don't have access to the things that they normally have access to? And what does that do to them in terms of community and and bad people like giving in to their true natures or going too far. So if you're into any of that, watch it. Um, weirdly enough, like I said at the start of this little section, the thing that strikes me most about happiness and well, my personal experience watching it anyway is I thought it was so much fun and I still was invested. Things upset me, you know, like I was very emotionally along for the ride with this. But it was such a fun ride at the same time. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but there you go. So I definitely do think that this one's worth your time. I think it's really fun. I think it did quite well in Korea domestically, I think. Um, or at least, um, you know, when you see those, you know, most buzzworthy actors and dramas of the week, those kind of lists and stuff, like it seemed to be doing quite well on that, at least. I don't know if that means the same as ratings, but yeah. I really, really enjoyed this and I think it's worth your time. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit about the setup of happiness. Alrighty, so before I start telling you a little bit about the story and just the general sort of story start, I suppose, of the K-drama happiness, I will say personally for me, uh, it took a little bit to get into this. Um, I'm just remembering now, I kind of forgot just because I thoroughly enjoyed the show so much that I kind of forgot that there was two episodes at the start where I was a bit like, meh, take it or leave it. And it's kind of interesting because um, the show for me really becomes what it is and gets going um, after I think it was around episode two because that's when the main concept starts. So this whole show, like if you read the synopsis, it's basically... A bunch of people are stuck in an apartment building, a modern, you know, Seoul, uh, not Seoul, sorry, I think it's in Seyang City or something, um, in a modern apartment block, basically, cut off from the rest of the world, there are zombies inside, there are infected inside, um, and it's about, you know, that, basically. Um, but it takes about two episodes for that setup to start. And I do like those two episodes. I feel like they're foundational. They need to be there to kind of capture the, I guess, the the growing 
menace of the infection of this new, they're calling it madman rabies disease, and for you to understand what it means so that by the time the characters that you've got to know are, you know, locked in this little apartment, it's not a little apartment, it's an enormous apartment block, um, you, you understand how scary that is and you understand the dangers. So like, I do feel like that foundation is needed and I like that it's there. But for me, I feel like I was just like, so it was like a switch going on, like click. I was suddenly like, I wasn't just watching this, like kind of like, mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, I'm into this. This is so much fun. This is so good. I'm so interested in what could possibly happen next. Um, and that kind of explains, I think, you know, the first two episodes are set outside of the apartment block. And then our third male lead, the soldier Tessok, who's in charge of, you know, basically trying to stop this virus from destroying everybody in Korea. Um, his whole storyline continues outside of the apartment block while our main leads go inside. And that was the stuff that I was just like, I don't know, it just seems all a bit crazy and far-fetched which you know I, I know zombies is, is a pretty crazy concept but you know it's like oh there's a drug and it turns people into zombies and there's a ceo corporate man who's a zombie man sitting in a bed and doing stuff and like honestly i have no idea what any of that was about because i just sort of watched and then sort of like was looking up you know k-drama casting news on my phone at the same time So anyway, but I don't think it mattered. It certainly didn't hamper my enjoyment of this show at all, which is kind of weird. But anyway. Okay, so the general setup of happiness. We have our main character, Sebom. um, And she is, like I said, she's kind of, I don't know what it is exactly, but some sort of like SWAT tactical, like really awesome person. And we see straight away this... Um, you know, like she's in a, you, you don't realize it at first, but it's like a training simulation. They've got some new recruits and she's fantastic and amazing. And her and her sort of like SWAT man partner dude are just like, you know, they know what's going on. And some of the new recruit people are freaking out and they can't do what they need to do. And you just get this impression of her very quickly that she's so capable that she's, you know, she's not someone who, like, I guess they show this sort of medical situation where the recruit is too afraid to like shove something into someone's, you know, like that thing where they shove it in the lungs so the person can breathe again. Um, And at this point you think it's a real thing and this person's like hesitating and it's going to cause someone's death. And then we see back to um, Sebom's initial training, like maybe years before or whatever. And she's just like, she does it straight away, no hesitation. And to the point where even though it's a simulation, it's, you know, she goes all the way. So the person who's pretending to be, you know, unwell or injured or whatever is like, oh, you didn't need to actually stab me. So it's kind of an interesting introduction to her. And I think you as a viewer understand what she's about very quickly. Um, We also get introduced to like kind of simultaneously, I guess, while Sebom is dealing with this whole training thing and this recruit starts acting you know, weird. And she has an experience where he turns into a fucking rabid zombie and tries to eat her throat out. Um, so it's all really scary and disturbing. And she's confused as to, you know, why that's happened. Meanwhile, Yihan is a violent crimes detective. So this is Park Hyung-shik's character. And he has been called to the scene of a crime. So basically there's like a hotel motel sort of place. And one of the rooms has been locked. And when they've, you know, the person who's running the hotel or whatever has finally gone in. Um, oh yeah, the person who's running the hotel goes in because there's like crazy noises from in there. And they're like worried that someone's bashing up the furniture or destroying the room. So goes in and basically gets their throat 
bitten out by somebody. Um, so by the time Detective Yihon turns up and he walks in there with his detective pal, who I forgot to mention because his little face wasn't on my list, but again, another character actor you will have seen in everything that ever existed. Very good in this. I liked him. Um, so Yihan goes in and they actually find that, you know, they're like, oh, we never saw the culprit leave. He wasn't on any of the CCTV. So Yihan's kind of like, oh, well, I guess we better fucking search the room then in case he's still here. And I'm like, wow, whoever the initial police officers on the scene were, they did a bad job because they did not look under the bed. And the culprit is literally under the bed, covered from head to toe in blood from eating another human being. But what's interesting is they pull out this dude and he's like, you know, he's not fighting. He's not rabid. He's not a zombie. He sits on the bed and he cries and he says he doesn't know what happened. He can barely remember it. He knows he did it, but he doesn't know why or what came over him. And he knows that even though he's never done anything like this before, he bit out someone's throat and murdered them. And so he gets carted off to jail, but uh, Yihon kind of has this theory about a drug and I can't remember why I think the guy says that he took a drug or whatever and it made him rabid and crazy so he goes on a mission to find it and of course it's a very big luminous blue drug with like next written on it or something so they can follow that trail very funny uh but again i didn't mind um so it's an interesting thing and i think this is a point of difference about the zombies in this show is that it is a disease and it you basically like i guess if you, you either get bitten and infected or scratched or you take this drug that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't and you start getting thirsty you want to drink you want to drink water 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 all the time until eventually water is not quenching and you go crazy with bloodlust because you can smell it and then you bite someone's throat out and you know drink all their blood i suppose which is pretty gross um but then when that frenzy is over and you're satiated you turn back into yourself and then you're a normal human being who's been infected by a disease and has is horrified by what you've just done. So it kind of raises this really interesting sort of ethical thing where in every other zombie thing I've ever watched, you know, you defeat the zombies by chopping off the head, by stabbing their brain, you know, like all this kind of stuff that we've seen a million times before. In zombie movies, what's in this one? You know, they could be attacking you and if you stab their brain or chop off their head and they die, you didn't give them a chance to turn back into a human being. It's not their fault they got infected. They're just a normal person who's been infected. And there's this idea that people can sort of fight off the transition, but it's easier to fight off like, you know, that kind of bloodlust or whatever if you're around your family. Like if there's a reason that you have because it's so hard, like you've got to work so hard to contain it and it's easier if you know the person that you're like I guess craving their blood is someone that you really really love and you don't want to hurt and that sort of is you know enables you to push it back a little bit so I thought all that was really really interesting and very different to the kind of zombie stuff I've watched before and I think just introduces a lot more conflict and issues because when someone turns you can't just kill them and be done with it you've got to lock them up and you've got to try and figure out what the fuck to do with this person who's actually innocent but may have just killed somebody like it's a really awful terrible kind of situation to be in i think the other point of difference with happiness which was something that i hadn't seen before is it is set 
now, like really now, as in like tail end, not really tail end, tail end of the pandemic. I wish, I think we all wish it was the tail end of the pandemic. Oh my gosh. Um, so it's set in Korea right now to the point where, you know, at the start, Yihan is like, he's driving his car to the crime scene and the woman on the radio is like, oh, you know, some people like things are getting a little bit better. Maybe we don't have to wear masks all the time anymore. And, you know, so of course, it's interesting too because all these characters live in a sort of post or mid pandemic world. They understand what a viral infectious disease means, even though in this drama, this new thing that's happening is, you know, way worse because it turns people into screaming monsters that want to eat your face. But, um, they understand it. They have this level of built in like, oh, okay, it's a new scary viral disease. We need to, you know, social distance. We know what lockdown is. Um, is it a new version of, you know, COVID? And immediately they're like, no, it's not. It's something very different. So I really liked that because um, I think this is the first thing I've watched since, since the whole pandemic thing that actually, you know, kind of is set like that and I think it works so well for a horror drama like this that that you know deals with a lot of the same themes you know like lockdown and um you know spreading countrywide and all this kind of stuff but in saying that if you're maybe I know some listeners might be like I don't fucking want to watch a show about COVID that's awful like this is life. So who wants to, you know, it's, it's supposed to be escapism and fantasy. Um, but I'll say like the kind of real world, like those levels of the show are super minimal. Um, it's not something that's going to, I think, like upset you or make you feel weird at all. Um, the whole, this whole show is complete and utter escapism in every way, or at least that's, you know, but that's how I treat horror and zombie stuff all the time for me that stuff is fantasy it's escapism it's usually pretty fun even when it's awful and terrifying um so don't let that put you off if it does but I actually found that element you know it's not a big part of the story the fact that it is set at this sort of tail end of the pandemic but I just liked how it informed our characters reactions to this mad zombie thing because they just had a little bit of experience under their belts um so I thought that was really cool and I really liked it um, so what happens is Sebom kind of, you know, she sees this zombie at her training thing and this guy, Tessok, who is, you know, head soldier Tessok comes in and he's pretty, I don't know, I want to say he's a bit cold and ruthless, but of course, you know, we find out later he has a pregnant wife who's infected and he's really, really trying to find, um, you know, a cure to this disease because he wants to save her and his child. Um, hilariously. <laughs> I mean, I watched the whole drama, but whenever his storyline was on, I sort of looked at my phone a little bit and I actually don't really know what happened. <laughs> like, did he save his wife? I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon he, he did. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, it doesn't matter to me anyway. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> um, so he sort of comes in and, you know, he takes Sebom away because she's got a scratch. Um, the little zombie recruit who has been killed now, I think maybe anyway was scratched. And also Sebom's, uh, you know, SWAT team partner dude has been bit, uh, but he's keeping that a secret. And his whole thing is, you know, people are starting to get wind of this madman rabies is popping up all over the world, but it's very minimal. Um, and you know, the government's trying to, you know, really seriously crack down on information. They don't want to, you know, create mass panic and chaos. They're really trying to figure out 
what's going on before they start telling the public about it, I suppose, which involves, you know, locking up a whole bunch of um, infected people in trucks and stuff like that. So it's not very humane. Um, they're not doing a great job really realistically but I guess it's not a great situation so I'm not sure what they're meant to do um, with all these people who are trying to bite out other people's throats um, so Sebam gets taken away to you know a secret facility to get tested because um, she got scratched but she hasn't turned and that's weird that's unusual and her little scratch on her hand also doesn't heal which is weird because once you get bit by a zombie and infected your um, wounds heal really really quickly um, and that's clearly not happening with her so they're interested um, for the sake of the show they don't just keep her there under lock and key forever to you know try and figure out what's going on and a cure um, which would make more sense in real life but I didn't mind that she's allowed to just go off and do whatever she wants and she'll just come in for tests whenever you know whenever she feels like it that's fine um so Sebom kind of helps out and meanwhile her, um, you know, I guess it's just a, a storyline at the very start that her SWAT team dude is like kind of um, getting paid by the media to go in there and get video footage of all these people locked up against their will, all these infected people and stuff. And of course he turns into a zombie and everything goes into mayhem and blah, 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 whatever. Um, but Sebom's whole thing, she's like, yeah, okay, head soldier, I'm going to help you by coming in and getting tested and stuff because I want something in return. And I was like, Sebom, what you should want is to help this man make a cure so the whole world doesn't, like, turn into a big zombie. Um, but Sebom is, you know, she's, her whole thing, I suppose, is she's on a quest for personal happiness, which, again, I really liked this theme. Um, and what she wants more than anything in the world is her own place. She wants her house, which is an apartment. She wants it so badly. And there, which I really like, again, I like this about her character. I really found her very interesting. So there's this sort of scheme where I think it's like for civil servants or whatever you get, maybe subsidized that you can get, you know, an apartment in this nice new apartment block. And there's certain like apartments getting allocated. And then maybe once you're there for a certain amount of time, you can buy it or some shit. I don't really understand. Um, and she's just gunning for it. She wants it so bad, but you need a certain amount of points. And she's got heaps because she's so good at her job, but she doesn't have enough um, because if you're married, you get more points because, you know, married people might be starting a family and they need, you know, a space to live in more, apparently, uh, which I guess, but whatever. Um, so the head soldier Tessox like, all right, if you help me by giving me your blood or whatever and doing the stuff, I'll give you a certain amount of extra points in return, which then bumps her up to the point where if she gets married or is like a newlywed, then she can apply for the apartment and get it. So Sebom is so excited about this. And of course, She's best friends with our, you know, male lead, the detective, Yihan. And we do get this fantastic flashback with them, which I really, really loved about how they meet. And basically, Yihan was this, like, high school star um, baseballer. Yes. <laughs> I know a lot about spot. No, it was baseball. It was definitely baseball. Um, so he's, you know, he's obviously headed to... Um, scholarships at college and, like, you know, big league kind of stuff, doing really well. And then he gets a knee injury. So we see him at his high school, um, which again, 
grown adult man in a high school uniform and I'm fine with it. I didn't mind at all. Um, He's sitting on the rooftop and contemplating jumping off because he feels that he has no direction, no hope, no reason to live. And because of this, all the other students are like, you know, in the whole school, they're like at the windows, they're staring out. They're all like, oh my God, is he going to jump? Is he not going to jump? And Sebom is also there, um, grown woman in a high school uniform. Again, totally fine. Not a problem. Loved it. (laughs) And Sebom is like, she's no sympathy for him. And this is, again, this is another thing in her personality that's really interesting. She's such a good person, but she also has this thing where she, she doesn't really, I don't know what it is. Like, it's not, I don't want to say that she's cold or that she doesn't have empathy because that's not right. She's good. She makes the right decisions. She cares about people deeply, but I don't know how to explain it, but it, and it feels right to her character. Like it feels really good, but she's just like, who is this idiot on the roof? And why can't I go home? Because none of the students are allowed to leave because it might, you know, distract the guy on the roof and he might jump down. Um, So she just like walks out of the classroom, marches up to the roof and basically has this big conversation about him. Like, you know, you just get down from there or jump or whatever. And meanwhile, all these people down below are like blowing up this huge, big sort of, um, you know, air balloon mattress thing. So if he jumps, he'll have something soft to land on. And they have this big conversation, which I can't remember now, but was really good and I really liked it. And basically then they both stand up and they're going to go like, you know, they're, he's not going to jump. And she's basically, she saved his life, even though she doesn't, I don't know, she doesn't see it this way. That's not even why she went up there. And then she just looks at him and she's like, she knows that this big like blown up thing is like four stories or something is down below him. And she just she pushes him off and she pushes him off because she knows he won't die and she just wants to she just wants to do it so she does <laughs> and this is just this is who she is and i was just like i'm fascinated like she wouldn't have pushed him off if the big um blow up thing wasn't there like she would never hurt him but there's this level of her that she, the line that she has that she's willing to cross is just different to what maybe would be considered right and yet she is always right she doesn't hurt people she's a good person and this I just found it fascinating so she's just like hmm you know I just I just kind of want to do this so she does and you know uh Yihan our male lead just like flies backwards through the air staring at her like watching him like fall and you just see it on his face he's falling and he's just like holy fuck, I just fell in love. (laughs) And then he lands in the thing and obviously he survives. He's fine, but it's so crazy. And obviously the detective on the roof is like, you can't fucking push people off a rooftop. And so Sebom gets arrested (laughs) and basically Yihan, you know, when they go back downstairs and she's arrested and getting pulled into the van and he's just like, you know, I'm in love with you. And she's just like, what? And then he never mentions it again, ever in their entire lives, but they stay best friends forever. And there's this really fun, like photo that's taken of them. And it's him. Like he just look, they both just look kind of surprised and shocked. And she's got like handcuffs on. (laughs) So I really loved this. And it, I think it just creates this dynamic between them where he's just completely head over heels for her. And she is just in a different world oblivious, but they're best friends and it's great. I loved their dynamic. So Sebom, you know, back in the future after this whole zombie thing, she's like, 
I really want this apartment. The only way that I can get enough points to get this apartment through this subsidy, I can't say that word, you know what I mean, program, whatever, is by being a newlywed. So she literally just marches up to Yihan and is like, hey, Yihan, you want to get married? And she thinks he's going to say no, but he's completely in love with her. So he's just like, yep. Absolutely. That's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> and then she's she's trying to pretend that it's not because of the apartment. He completely knows it's because of the apartment and he does not care at all. He just wants to live in a house with her. Um, and so they just sort of move in together into this apartment. And immediately, of course, the apartment goes into, or the apartment block goes into lockdown and there's infected people in there and they get cut off from the rest of the world. And then, you know, the food starts disappearing, then the water starts disappearing and the electricity gets turned off. Um, and they're stuck in there with a whole bunch of, like, it's less so the zombies that are scary and it's more so the residents of this building. They are a just such an interesting bunch. There's so much drama and interesting stuff with characters, you know, that whole showing their true colors once the pressure's on kind of thing. And, you know, there's even a psycho killer in there and it's all great fun. And meanwhile, you know, throughout it all, you know, Sebom uh, Yihon and also um, Yihon's detective partner, you know, they're sort of trying to take charge because they are, you know, detectives and SWAT team people and they know what what's going on and they know what to do. Um, but there's a lot of pushback to them being in charge and their leadership. And Sebom is like, she's fantastic because she's not necessarily like, I don't want to say she's not a people person, but you know, she's not going to, to make people feel better. And she just says it like it is. And you know, if someone's an idiot, she's just like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's it. So she's just so great. And Yihan is interesting because he just comes across as such a sweetie. Like he's so warm and sweet and lovely. And yet, He's really scary sometimes when he needs to be, so that's great. Um, so that's the general setup. And, of course, the reason that Yihon, as a detective, like, you know, this is their building, but immediately they find out that someone has potentially killed someone um, in the building. He's there to arrest this person, and that's when the lockdown happens. So there's, like, you know, lots of extra twisty dramas in there. And that's, you know, that's the first two episodes kind of explained. And then once you get to the apartment stuff... Oh, it's so good. I just loved it. All right, so that's the setup. Um, and now I'm going to go into some stuff that I loved. Okay, stuff that I really, really loved about the K-drama happiness. Um, I love the happiness theme. I thought this was really charming and just such, such an interesting idea to pair this theme of happiness in terms of domestic simplicity, the small things in life, the just living a simple life and being happy because you love someone, these like really small ideas of what happiness is planted in the middle of a drama about zombies with all these absolutely like crazy pot people in this apartment block who are just doing the worst things. Um, and I guess, you know, in a way that makes sense, like, you know, it's a drama that Every monster drama ever is always about humanity. And this drama is no exception. That's what it's about. It's about people and people under pressure. And I think the idea of then slipping in this theme about the opposite side, like not just people cracking under pressure and becoming as dark as they, you know, have the capacity to be, it's also 
about how to be happy and what you need in your life to be happy. And the whole point of the drama is that Sebom, you know, her happiness is tied up in this, this little apartment. It's her home and it's going to be perfect. And then it's not because of the zombies. And then she's still trying to kind of like you see these things where she's so protective of her home. Um, there's these moments where, you know, they're getting delivered lunch boxes from outside the lockdown and she's so happy about it. And she's just kind of like, you got to be happy about something, you know, you got to care about something. And then, of course, by the end of the drama, she realizes that, you know, for her happiness, it's not the apartment, it's who you're with in the apartment. And this is, you know, of course, her realizing finally um, that she is you know, obviously in love with Yihon. Um, so I loved that. I loved that theme. I thought that was really surprising, I suppose. Uh, the other thing I loved, obviously, was the zombies. Um, I feel like, like I said, you know, worldwide, if zombies are in a story, then it has that theme or that idea of, you know, who are the true monsters? You know, is it the zombies or the humans? Um, and of course, it's always the humans, always. And this is like, you could say that's a trope. You could say that that is a framework for a story that I have seen personally over and over and over and over in every kind of zombie movie or TV show I've ever watched. I don't know. It doesn't get old. I love it. I love exploring these ideas and these themes. I think it is really cool and really, really fun. Um, so I guess the point of difference, I mean, I kind of said this before as well, that I really loved is that the zombies are not dead. They are people and they're people that, you know, it's not their fault. It's not their fault that they're zombies and trying to murder people. And that certainly adds a huge level of conflict and complication into what you do when you find out someone's infected. You know, what does that mean? But of course, there's still the paranoia of are you infected? Are you not infected? Like, are you going to kill me? Are you going to turn? Are you hiding it? Like, are you hiding it from everybody? And I also loved, uh, I love that some of our main characters, like, for instance, Spoiler, obviously, this is a very spoiler-filled chat, but Yihon, our male lead, you know, about halfway through the drama or maybe a bit more towards the end, we don't realize it for a while, but he got bit and he hides it from everybody. And I loved this. I loved it because up until this point, you know, Sebom and Yihon are kind of, you know, they're trying to keep things under control. They're trying to like, you know, sniff out who's a zombie and who's not, or, you know, who's infected and who's not. And if you're infected, you know, you get locked somewhere with handcuffs or you'll get locked on the roof and you know they're not treating people cruelly if they're infected but they are trying to keep people safe by figuring out who is and then the fact that he gets infected and he doesn't tell anyone which puts people at risk it definitely does but he's just so afraid for Sebom if he's sort of taken out of the picture that he just he doesn't want to leave her side like this is full-on end of the world shit for these people so he does not want to leave her side because he loves her and I loved it because it's not necessarily a heroic thing to do like the heroic thing would be to be like I got bit I might turn any moment I'm gonna go lock myself up in the basement you know and one of one of the other characters um like a very side character she has a brother and he does that you know he as soon as he's bit he's just like I'm bit I'm gonna protect everyone and he sits outside in the rain all night and like that's super heroic um so I found that really really interesting and yeah I liked it I liked it a lot um I feel like this writer is very good at writing like very uh, like complex characters, but characters with almost contradicting, 
I don't know, personality elements or contradicting multifaceted things to the way that they are that are almost there's two things that are or multiple things that are at odds. And I think maybe a lot of times if you're writing a character, you shy away from doing that because you feel that that won't feel realistic or it might make it seem like your character is you know, inconsistent or doing something that's out of character and makes no sense. And yet somehow these characters that have these very like contradictive things, which, you know, I think Sebom does as well in the fact that she's so caring, she's so good at doing the right thing, but she also has this thing where she doesn't, she doesn't have a huge amount of empathy sometimes, you know, and she just does things that you'd be like, whoa. So it's very fascinating. And yet, you know, Yihon and Sebom, with all these contradictions in them and this this different thing, they both feel very real. They never feel like they're doing something that doesn't suit their character or that's at odds with, I think, what the writer wants them to be. So, I, yeah, I find that fascinating. I think as a writer, I find that really interesting. Like, how do you write a character that that contradictory, but that still feels like a fully, you know, like a person? Um, which, of course, that's what people really are like. But I feel like sometimes when you're writing a character, it's it's just easier not to make them so complex, maybe. So anyway, I thought that was really cool and really impressive. Uh, so like I said, um, definitely something I loved about this drama was Han Hyoju as an actress. She just when she was on screen, I just couldn't move my eyes from her. She's so good. Her character's so good. Um, she's just swaggering around like the coolest person ever. I loved her. She was so much fun. And I loved seeing her just, you know, like for instance, another thing she does is you, she gets to the apartment and she's, you know, wants to hand out. So it's before the zombie thing happens. She's got like rice crackers or whatever. She wants to hand them out to all the residents. So she goes into the stairwell to go upstairs, but upstairs is where the owner's live. So the people who own their apartments and where Sebom lives is where people who are renting live. And so she gets up there and she can't open the fire escape door because someone has bricked it shut because they don't want the renters coming up into the owner's area because there's this huge level of snobbery in this drama between the different residents and, you know, people in the more big penthouse apartments and stuff higher up. Um, and so Sebom's just like, well, it's a fire hazard and she just kicks down the fucking door and just marches straight up to those rooms and like hands out her rice cakes and she just has no caring for what other people think about her whatsoever and I loved it. She was great. Um, so I also really loved Yihan played by Park Hong Sheik. Like I said, um, there's just such a warmth and sweetness to this character. That's so good. And then on the flip side, he's so scary sometimes. Like you really like, particularly if Sebom is in trouble, but at other times too, like when, you know, just someone who's being an asshole is just getting up in his face. You're like, oh my gosh, I feel like Yihon could do anything right now. Like he's quite scary. Um, but particularly when Sebom's in trouble, like he just fucking hell, you would not want to cross him or meet him in a dark alley, which is so strange when he's so like just sweet and cute in all the other times. Um, I love these two. I love their dynamic. Um, they're, you know, they're best friends. They're so close. There's, you know, a lot of, um, I don't know, they're just so comfortable with each other, I suppose. They know each other so well. They're so close. And yet, you know, he's in love with her and hasn't been able to express that. And she's just, I don't know what's up with her. I'm like, does she not know? Is she really oblivious? Does she really not love him? Or is it more just like, 
life is really good as it is. Maybe she just doesn't want to change things. I don't really know. Um, but I loved their dynamic. I thought it was great. Um, and I love having that sort of dynamic between them in the background of this, you know, heavily twisty plotted drama with all this, you know, mayhem and chaos and action going on. And then you just have this beautiful kind of relationship between the two uh, and their trust in each other as the heart of, you know, all this madness going on around them. Um, so I also said, you know, I just loved all the apartment stuff. I just loved it. I loved the general shitness of all the human beings in the apartment, not all of them. And I liked that too. I liked that there was, you know, there's some people in there who were just good people. They were good people. And when the pressure came on and things were scary and they might die, they still did the right thing. Um, and they didn't, you know, and I just thought that was really cool because I feel like that's realistic. There are people like that. But then I felt it was realistic too to see some people who, you know, when the lockdown starts and the zombies start and all the pressure starts, they're already shit people. So this would be the doctor played by that, that actor from Devil Judge. Like he's shit from the start. He's awful and shit from the beginning. And he just gets worse and worse. He's a fascinating character because his whole thing is like, he doesn't want to be in charge. He doesn't want to be the leader, but he wants to stir the pot. So every single chance he gets to throw like, I hate this term, what does it even mean? But throw a spanner in the work. So like to fuck shit up, basically he does it and he doesn't care. Like if he's creating chaos, he'll just sit there and laugh in the corner. Like he is just no morals at all. And interesting like to have someone like that locked up and also he's very aware that violent crimes detective Yihon believes that the doctor has murdered his own wife which you know he he has um but because they're all under lockdown there's not a lot Yihon can do about it right now because he's trying to keep everything under control and the doctor feels that if Yihon could just go and fucking die then the doctor would be able to walk out of the here after lockdown and not have to go to jail for murdering his wife um so clearly you know he has an agenda um but then there's also and so you know there's good people there's bad people like the doctor and then there's people who are you know maybe in between maybe not good or bad but maybe they want something or you know kind of got a different agenda but you just see them descend you see how far they're willing to go you see what bad stuff they do um and i felt that was really realistic too like no one really knows how you're going to be under pressure until you're in that situation you don't know what awful things you know, no one hopes they're like this, but you hope that you can stay true to what you believe, even if you think that you might die because of it, you know, but no one really knows until you're put in that situation and fear does awful things to people and makes them do awful things. And, you know, that's what this whole drama is about. It's like, what do you become when you're in this terrifying situation? So I loved all that. It was really fascinating. Um, so some great kind of side characters. I'll just mention a couple, but there was loads, but the building rep woman who's like, you know, she's up in the top level. She's really, you know, what you think at the start, she's really rich. She's really posh and snobby. And she like looks down on the renters and her whole thing is she wants to be in charge of the building. And she just goes on the maddest slow descent down to, you know, fucking crazy town. It's so good. I loved it. And she just gets more and more dangerous. Like it's very cool. Um, the doctor, like I said, who's the guy from Devil Judge, he's just, you know, instead of turning it up to a thousand, like in Devil Judge, he's just turned it up to like 999, pretty close. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, I liked him so much just seeing him stir everyone up, like, whoa, so scary. 
Uh, there's another guy who plays a lawyer and he's, you know, he's got a very sweet, nice wife. And at first you think he's a good guy. He's just kind of kind of just trying to capitalize on the situation by offering, you know, his services, his law services to everyone. But then you realize pretty quickly that he's so scared for his own safety that he'll sort of push his wife to do things that are a bit unsafe to keep himself safe. And then that, you know, descends as well because he he cares more for his own safety than hers. And at the start of the drama, he still cares for her safety too, but not as much as his. But then that gap gets bigger and bigger and what he's willing to do gets worse and worse. Again, it felt, I don't know, I liked it a lot. Um, there's also some cleaners. So like I said, there's kind of all this conflict between people who own apartments higher up and people who are renting um, that the higher ups think they deserve more food and more water because they're paying more for their you know homes and things like this in the distribution. And so there's all these kind of problems. But then on top of that, there was a cleaning team cleaning some empty apartments in the apartment block um, when it got shut down. So they don't have anywhere to live. They don't have any food at all. Um, they are particularly looked down on by all the kind of people in the, you know, the snobby ones anyway. So again, it call, it just enters this other dynamic because now you've got people and, you know, these cleaners, some of them, um, a couple have, you know, they're obviously living in a level of poverty. Well, not poverty. I don't know. Um, they don't really show it, but they, they hard times, hard times are upon them for sure. And we get, you know, we find out they have kids and, you know, they, they're seeing all this wealth in these apartments, you know, and these people who are awful. And again, they, they want something from this experience. They wonder what they could gain from the experience. Um, and they go from being quite likable at the start to, less so later on. And then, of course, um, there's all the rest, which are great. There's a lot of different people that are very interesting and have, you know, different things, secrets, whatever. And then there's one dude who walks around in a mask the entire time. And I don't want to, I guess I can spoil it. I was going to, I don't want to spoil it. I'm like, I've literally spoiled everything else. <laughs> so there's a dude called Andrew who reckons he has, you know, he can't show anyone his face because he has facial scars and he's really like uncomfortable about it. And everyone's just like, yeah, cool. That's fine. Um, but of course it turns out he's not actually the person that he said he was and he doesn't want to show his face because it doesn't match his ID card and um, he's actually a total psycho killer. So that's fun to get locked inside with not only zombies and horrible people, but a psycho killer who just wants to kill everybody and does. Uh, so now I'm just going to talk about some scenes that I really, really love. So basically all of Sebom's scenes, um, she's fucking great. Oh, and there's a little girl as well that Sebom's like, you know, really close with. That's very sweet. Um, but yeah, she's just fucking cool. She's so cool. Um, what a great heroine. Um, I love the scene where Yihon, um, your male lead Yihon, believes that Sebom, so she's gone up to talk to someone who's a little bit eccentric, who owns like the most expensive apartment in the whole place. And it turns out this guy has, you know, he's hoarded a lot of food and a lot of stuff. So she goes up, she kind of actually makes a friendship with this guy. Um, but everyone else just is a little bit wary of him. They don't know what he's about. Is he good? Is he bad? And so she goes up and she goes into his, his apartment and Yihon kind of hears that she's gone up there and hears that this guy in the, in the pen house has potentially purchased some of this drug that turns you into a fucking zombie so he freaks out like it's such a cool scene he runs up there he's like bashing on the door and the guy opens it but like you know with that little chain thing so it only opens so far and you can just see like the tiny like little sliver of um 
what's it, Yihon's face. And he's kind of like, is Sebom in there? Like, you got to let, you got to let me in there. You got to let me in there. And he's so scary and intense. Like, you just feel like he's going to fucking murder this man. Like, it's so full on, which again, I love because at other times he's just so warm and sweet that when that side of him comes out, like, it's just doubly intense. Um, and then, of course, there's the romantic in me who's like, oh, look at him freaking out because he thinks his love's in trouble. <laughs> I don't know. That's a trope that I like um, forever. Anyway, she was fine. Whatever. Uh, another scene. What have I written? My weird handwriting here. Fucking hell. <laughs> Tries to sled Sebom and Yihan slides off. <laughs> I know what I was trying to write. Uh, so, you know, the head soldier guy, Tessok, he comes in and for some dumb reason, instead of saying to Sebom, hey, Sebom, I think maybe in your blood there is the cure to the zombie virus. Instead of saying that and saying, hey, can you come with me and help me, you know, figure out a cure and save the world? Which she would have said, of course, yeah, sure, <laughs> let's go. Instead of that, he, um, I don't know, she gets blood all over her, someone else's blood, I think. And then he injects her with like a fucking horse tranquilizer and then carts her out of there in his car, um, which seems a very silly way to do it, but whatever. And of course, Yihan hears that Sebom is covered in blood unconscious in this man's car and driving out of the lockdown area. And if she gets out of the lockdown area before he catches up, that's it. Like, she's gone so he runs after the car like a crazy person and then as the car's going out of lockdown he like jumps on top of the car and slides down onto the bonnet and pulls out his gun and like points it at the driver and I was like yes this is extremely cool it was so cool and I loved it cool action scene for Yihan very very fun um and then there was another scene um with Yihan that was awesome you know, they're all like a small group of kind of the people that haven't gone completely nuts in this apartment block are trying to escape um, a psycho killer dude. And um, they all kind of get into the stairwell, except for Yihan, who decides to stay behind. And he there's again a scene through the doorway where Sebom really she just has to go. She has to save the rest of them, which means leaving him behind. At this point, she knows that he's infected, which is so fucked up. And then she has to leave him. But this whole scene between them is so good I loved it and then when he turns around and just the stuff that he's saying like he thinks he's about to die he thinks this is the end of his life he's just gonna save Sebom no matter what and he's just I loved it so much this whole rooftop scene and then he turns into a crazy zombie and he bites out this dude's neck and sucks his blood and I was like oh my god but this was the point where I started getting like really really stressed out because there is a lot of foreshadowing in this drama where Yihan says things like, you know, Sebom, you be the good cop and I'll be the bad cop because the bad cop always dies. So he keeps saying stuff that makes you so sure, like from a story perspective, this foreshadowing that Yihan is, is not long for this world. And when you find out he's infected, you're like, fuck. Um, and then you're like, well, maybe it'll be all right. Like if he doesn't turn, if he doesn't hurt somebody then it'll be okay and then he does you know and he he literally bites out someone's throat and you're like oh because you know usually the good guys don't do that and when they do that means they have to die so I was really really worried um so I liked all this stuff it was um really played with my emotions um and then my favorite scene in the drama which I just loved and again the romantic in me oh my gosh so Sebom leaves eventually you know she <laughs> 
whatever with the cure. Who even knows what bullshit was happening with that. But anyway, she comes back in to find Yihan and save him, basically. And by the time she turns up, like, everything has gone to shit in such a drastic way that it's amazing. And I love, again, it shows this dynamic between them where... You know, Sebom is like, she's so kicker, she's doing stuff all the time, and Yihan sort of plays the part of her, you know, almost without her realizing it, he's just there. He's her kind of, you know, silent protector. He's everything he does is to protect her, it's to protect her. It's like it's his reason for being. And I love the idea that when he finally saves her and she gets out alive and he stays behind, he just falls apart on such an intense level like he just you know he he's been pushing back his zombiness all this time but the second she's gone he can't do it anymore and you you kind of think that he's the strong one who's being I mean she's so strong but you think in their kind of dynamic he's the strong one living for her to protect her but then as soon as she's gone he can't do anything and this is the point where you realize how much he needs her he needs her in order to live at all which Sebom, in a way, is stronger than that. She can, you know, she she does love him, but I mean, she's very strong in herself that you feel like if he died, that would be shit, but it wouldn't, oh, this sounds really bad and unromantic, um, but I think you know what I mean. I mean, I hope you know what I mean, but I kind of loved it. I loved that he just, he needs her. He totally, totally needs her and that she comes in and she's the one who saves him and she saves him a lot throughout as well but I think like it's kind of like emotionally she saves him I love this scene I thought it was so fucking cool but basically you know he's bitten out someone's throat hung out around with some people done some done some shit whatever and then um someone has tricked him into turning back into a zombie by you know putting some blood near his face and he's run into his apartment and he's like crouched on his couch head first down with a blanket over his head and he's really trying very hard not to turn um, and not doing a very good job about it I have to say <laughs> but it sounds really hard and then uh, Sebom comes in and she runs in there and she gets there you know just in time and she pulls the blanket off him carefully and she's sort of rubbing his back and then she's she's saying to him that she never realized what it was she wanted and what she wants is not just the apartment it's him in the apartment it's them together she wants to be by his side forever it's such a beautiful like quiet gorgeous confession scene I think it's beautiful and he's you know like through her saying this he very slowly comes back to himself and then he's just staring at her and he just looks like fucking hell like the shit this man has been through in the last I don't know 48 hours or whatever it's been like absolute hell and back and I love it too because you know he's covered in blood and sweat and goop and it's awful and then she just like it's so sweet she just kisses him and he's still so shocked by the fact that she's even there that she's saying that she loves him she doesn't I don't think she actually says it but that's what she's saying and and then you know he kisses her back and it's just this beautiful like the tiny smiles on both of them this like ah oh, you know home this is home this is what happiness is I thought it was so beautiful and I might have watched it three or four times I don't know like it's such a sweet kiss it's not like you know set the world on fire kind of kiss but emotionally in their relationship it just felt so beautiful and I really really liked it because she saves him and it's gorgeous um and then after that you know he's he's strong enough with her by his side to hold back his zombiness he can do it now 
So I loved it. So I loved it. Uh, and then that's, I'll go on to the stuff that I didn't love quite as much of which, eh, it's not that much. Alrighty, so I'm just going to breeze through this. Um, stuff that I didn't love. It's really funny. There was stuff that I didn't love in this, but I just didn't even feel strongly enough it, like, to dislike it. It was just, it was like it was nothing and I just ignored it. And again, you know, it was just that whole storyline with the corporate CEO and the, the drugs and the, the the wife and the dude, <laughs> whatever, I don't care. Um, and the stuff that was good, I was just so invested that it just really didn't even kind of get on my radar that there was a whole massive storyline that I was just like, whatever, boring. Um, so yeah, that, that's really it. Like, it's so strange to have such a huge section of the drama that I didn't care about. And yet it did not impact my enjoyment levels of this show at all. Like not even a tiny bit. This show was great. And I just had such a fun time watching it. It was so much fun. Um, the only thing, and this is not something I didn't love. This is something that while I was watching it, the whole lead up to Yi Han and being like, I think he's going to die. I think he's going to die. I think he's going to die. That was stressful. So I didn't love feeling stressed, but I love that the drama made me believe that in this world, it was a possibility that he might die at the end of the show. And I love that he didn't die. I was so happy. <laughs> um, so I've just talked about the end very slightly, although I feel like I already did. Um, so I've just said here, so I loved how awful, <laughs> I loved how awful everything was in the inside the apartment. I loved seeing everyone turn on each other, um, and just be general dicks to each other and, you know, showing their true colors and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was great. And I love how, how bad stuff gets, how deeply people descend to, you know, awfulness and then we see the outside and martial law has been lifted the lockdown stopped everyone's having picnics in the park and I love that idea of being so cut off from the rest of the world that you don't know that maybe like a hundred meters away there's a family having a fucking picnic and you're in here trying to murder people <laughs> like it's so crazy and I liked that uh, I thought that was really fun um, so the end, in terms of the antibody stuff and the cure, I thought it was all pretty dumb, if I'm completely honest. But again, I didn't put it under stuff that I didn't love because I just didn't care that it was dumb and I didn't pay any attention. I didn't watch these bits. But basically, and this is a bit dumb now that I think about it. So Sebom has antibodies uh, in her blood that will probably enable them to cure the thing. I'm not sure if they're making some sort of cure with it or if they're just literally injecting her blood. But then the guy's like, you know, we've only got these two uh, syringes filled with the cure. Like, that's it. That's all we can get out of you or something. And I'm like, really? Doesn't she have more blood? She seems okay. <laughs> I guess all the antibodies in her blood got, I don't think that's how antibodies work. <laughs> Not that I know. <laughs> so anyway, of course, um, you know, Tessok, the head soldier's like, I'm going to inject this one into my wife and save her life instead of saving humanity. Because who gives a fuck about humanity? I give a fuck about my wife. And I'm like, all right, like, I get it. I get it. That's not good. That's not very heroic. And then he gives the other one to Sebom and he's like, hey, Sebom, you can either you know, there's some people coming from the lab and they're going to escort you to the lab while you hold the only cure in the whole world in your hands that I've given to you to take responsibility for, for some very stupid, um, and, or 
you can run away right now and go save, you know, your husband, the love of your life, Yihan, who's turning into a zombie in that apartment. And Sebom's like, all right, I'm going to go save my husband. Fuck humanity. Who cares about humanity? So then she runs out and then she's like, fuck, I can't do it. Like, this isn't morally right. So she runs back in. But instead of saving humanity, she she saves. So she's she's been living with a little girl taking care of her in the apartment. So she goes in um, and saves this little girl's mother who's, you know, locked up in this facility. And I'm like, Sebom, this makes no sense. If you just gave over the cure to the lab and the lab manufactured a lot of the cure and saved everybody wouldn't that also save the little girl's mum but Sebom I don't know just what she does and I thought this was really really weird in terms of you know (laughs) not that dramas should be moral or dramas should be teaching you a lesson but I feel like I feel like this is this is the incorrect message to send people because it's basically like look if there's an apocalypse and you have the chance to save everybody or save the one person you love, you should just fuck everybody over and save the one person you love. And obviously that's what everyone would want to do. Of course you want to save the person you love. Like that is what you want to do. And maybe that is what you do, but I'm not sure if it's what you should do. You know what I mean? I feel like the drama kind of was like, yeah, of course this is what they're going to do. This is what you should do. And I'm like, I feel like the drama should have been like, you shouldn't do this. You should save humanity. And then if Sebom was like, nah, fuck that. I want to go save Yihan. I would have been like, cool, <laughs> whatever. That's awesome because she's great. Um, so anyway, mixed messages. Did I care? No, I didn't pay attention to any of this until Sebom got back inside the apartment block. And then I was riveted once again. Um, I've just written here. It's absolutely terrified that Yihan was going to die. Really, really scared. Scared. I tried to say scary and scared. And I said something weird in between. Uh, what have I said? Oh, sorry. This is completely, it's not unrelated to the drama. But just before the last two episodes came out and I was like scrolling around on Instagram or whatever. And there was a lot of like people putting up memes and stuff of happiness. And I was terrified I was going to get a spoiler. Um, and I didn't, which was great. But what I did find was someone put up a photo of Sebom and Yihan, our two leads, um, standing on a roof, like just a, a still, a scene from the drama. But then they'd use Photoshop or whatever to, you know, they're standing like a meter apart from each other. They'd use Photoshop to like stretch out their lips so that they were kissing. <laughs> So it looked hilarious. They both have like weird lip tubes coming out of their faces and meeting in the middle. And then they're just like, I know they're like their hopes for this drama. And I was like, oh, I feel you. Me too. (laughs) I thought it was so funny. It was such funny imagery. I didn't see who did it. So I'm sorry. That's really bad. But it was great. It was really funny. (laughs) It made me very happy that day. All right, that's it. That's all I'm going to say on happiness. So to end, I'm trying to now, but it's really hard. I always try, what was the worst thing? What was the best thing? But I've already said these things. But the worst thing was like all the fucking army shit. What? Who cares? Um, maybe someone cared. I'm really sorry. Maybe you Maybe you love that shit. That's great. Uh, I thought it was boring. <laughs> best stuff, absolutely fucking everything else in the entire drama. But basically the apartment block and everyone in it and everything that happened in it and Yihan and um, Sebom just being fucking awesome and not dying at the end. That was my favorite part of this show. All right. So I'm going to wrap up now. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Thanks so much for listening to me. Blather on, waffle on, uh, on, on what? Happiness. 
Happiness, the 2021 K-drama that is only 12 episodes and is a thriller slash horror and real fun. Really, really fun. All right. Thanks for listening. brings me to the very end of this week's episode thank you all so very much for listening um huge 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 shout out and thank you to my most wonderful patreon supporters uh, i'm so appreciative of all of you guys thank you so much um this week i also want to say a very special thank you to new patreon supporter diana a uh, thank you so much diana it's so lovely to have you as part of my weird little community <laughs> um thanks so much for listening as i said um i really hope that you will tune back in next week for some more key drama waffles uh, which is definitely what I'll be doing on this show next week and the week after that Uh, so hopefully you will be back for that how exciting we'll see (laughs) all right everybody have a lovely week going forward and hopefully I'll I was gonna say I'll see you next week but that's that's not how podcasts work but whatever bye